<clears throat> we're going to look at a good number of verses tonight, but this is where we're going to start, and we'll come back here, so if you want to uh, put a bookmark in there or something like that, and um, obviously we're continuing with our series on standards and convictions, and <clears throat> I'll say coming into this that this may be a little bit of a hard lesson tonight um, because you've never heard it before. Um, or because uh, it's never been explained to you before uh, in this way, and and maybe not. I, I might maybe it may, it may not be that way at all. But last week we talked about four specific uses of clothing that that were revealed in the Bible, and uh, of course we said that there's the moral use that's not being naked in public. There's the practical use, in other words, the way we dress to accommodate for the weather, um, or work, or whatever else. There's the aesthetic use of clothing. And that springs really from a God-given desire to, uh, for ladies to adorn themselves beautifully and decorate beautifully, if you will. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's also the religious use of clothing that we saw with the priests and um, you know, others that were called to wear certain garments. And so today, I really want to look at the first one, the moral use of clothing. Uh, but after the fall, it was, it was shameful to display the body. And it, it, it became necessary to cover it appropriately. And uh, God made that very clear in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the very first mention of clothes in the Bible is mentioned in relation to that. And we, t- we looked at Genesis chapter 3 last week, so I'm not going to ask you to turn over there unless you want to. But verse number 7 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now those, those leafy aprons covered the midsection, uh, but God... God deemed that that was insufficient, and so he got rid of those fig leaves, and he, he made them coats, and we see that in verse number 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. He wanted to clothe them more completely, and so essentially Adam and Eve were immodest in their aprons, and God thought that was a failure big enough to do something about it directly, and God changed that. Uh, God, you know, they, they tried to do what they thought they should do, and so they uh, they did it, and then they went and hid themselves, and then when God saw him, God changed it because it needed to be changed. Nancy Lee DeMoss, maybe you've heard her name before. <clears throat> She's a pretty well-known Christian author. She said this, did you know that the clothes you wear talk, that they send a message, that they communicate? The way that we dress says a lot of things that our words may not say. Do you ever, have you ever thought about what it is that you are communicating to others, to your husband, to your children, to others in your church, to those who don't know Christ? Have you thought about the message that you are sending by the way that you dress? Since our clothes do communicate, it's important how we dress um, and and what we wear. Are are we glorifying God by our dress? The more we have a heart for God, the more that it should be reflected in a lot of different ways externally as well. And we see that in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So tonight I want to look at the first one, the, the moral use of clothing, a little bit more in detail. What we might call uh, the, the moral use of clothing and explain really a biblical principle that's directly related to that. And that is the biblical principle of modesty. Modesty. First of all, I want to look at the importance of modesty. I'm going to break this down into a couple of different things, and as many of these verses as you can turn to, we don't have tons of them, but as many of them as you can turn to, I want you to turn to them with me, if you will. It helps us in our, we're really going to do a deep dive into this idea of modesty. It's, it's really, um, it's a very, very broad term, 
and it's very broadly defined, but we need to define it by the Word of God. And so um, l- let me start by saying that even world, the world knows that dress is important. Uh, a lot of department stores have standards of dress. They require certain dress for their salespeople that involve modesty. And this is not, obviously, we're not talking about in a Christian perspective at all. Um, most prisons have uh, required that visitors hold to a certain protocol of dress because they know that, that improper and sensuous clothing can and will stir up the male population. Um, most people will not even think about walking to the mailbox in their underwear, right? Uh, why is that? It's because there is a, a sense of propriety. There's a sense of modesty that most people have, especially when it comes to Christian ladies. Most ladies are not going to desire to bring shame to their husbands, to their fathers, to their Lord, right? And I think that's the reason why most Christian ladies agree to the modesty principle of dress, because it seems easier to understand and obey. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you will. Again, we're coming back to 1 Timothy, so keep your finger in that, if you will, or bookmark, something like that. But once we become a Christian, we're under new ownership, Right? We are no longer our own. We're part of the family of God. We, are, we, are, we belong to him now. Um, the Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians that we, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, we ought to glorify God in our bodies. But he says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now that word conversation means lifestyle. It means lifestyle. Clearly, we are to be holy like our heavenly Father. Father, holy in all manner of our conversation or our behavior, our lifestyle. Our first desire should be to glorify, honor, and please God in every single thing that we do. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This makes that very clear. And I, I, I'm not telling you something you don't know. You know that that's our goal. It should be our goal, at least as Christians, is that we honor and glorify God and please God in everything. We ask always uh, in, in, our, in our prayers at the beginning of the service many times that, that God would be pleased by what we do in the service. But it's not just in church. It should be in every aspect of our life that we are concerned about pleasing God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now that includes the first goal of our dress, which is to please the Lord. If, if our dress, what we are wearing, does not please the Lord, then that's the first indication that it ought to go out the window and we should never put it on again. Every time you get dressed, you should ask yourself, is this pleasing to the Lord? Am I honoring him through the clothing that I wear? And again, it's, I think it's, um, it's, it, it falls to, to the ladies mostly, but that's even a question that men ought to be asking themselves when they walk out the door, right? There's, there's a lot of things now that are being produced uh, mostly by sports companies, Nike and Under Armour and things, where these guys are walking around in these skin-tight, you know, uh, sweatpants and things like that. I, don't, I think a lot of those things are not pleasing to God, too. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not talking just to ladies tonight, although, it, you know, many times that's what it falls to, but it's to all of us. Is what I'm wearing pleasing to the Lord? Is he going to be lifted up? And am I honoring him through the clothing that I wear? And that ought to be the first goal of our dress, but the second goal of our dress should be to refrain from offending other people, from becoming a stumbling block to others. Um, We should strive to maintain purity in ourselves, but then also striving to help others maintain that purity as well. We have to remember that other people are watching. Are we edifying and encouraging godliness by the way that we are dressing? Are we pointing others to Christ, or are we pointing others to ourselves? That's the question that we have to ask. 
And so obviously our first goal is to glorify God with what we're wearing, but also to, to, to refrain from offending or becoming a stumbling block to somebody else. So what I want to do, and we're going to look, in fact, turn over to Isaiah chapter 47. We're going to get into this. I want to break this down into two things tonight and then give you an application and we'll be done. I want to look at what is immodesty, and then I want to look at what modesty is. And I think by comparing those two, it should help us to get a good picture of what the Bible has to say about it. In, in the Bible, we see two levels of dressing immodestly. And the first level is nakedness. That was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? The original condition that caused them to make those aprons out of fig leaves in the very first place. They realized that they were naked. But immodesty is more than just nakedness. It's also insufficient covering. Right? Bear in mind that this is God's perspective in the way that he covered them in Genesis chapter 3. They had covering, right? but it was insufficient covering, and God was basically saying, hey, you're still naked. You need to cover more than what you've already covered. Immodesty cannot be what I deem it to be or not to be. I have to use his understanding as my guide in my thinking and as my guide in my defining what immodesty and modesty is and what nakedness and clothed is, right? God says that nakedness is any time the area from the hip to the knee is bared or exposed. Look what he says in Isaiah 47. <clears throat> and this is where we have to go and kind of make a deep dive into this to understand this. Isaiah 47, verse number 2. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. Now that's just, that's one passage out of many that we could, have, that we could look at. But it's basically saying a bare leg and uncovered thigh is uncovering the nakedness. You can turn over to Exodus 28. You don't need to because we read this already. Uh, I think it was last week actually. But verse 42, and thou shalt make them, talking about the priest, linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. Now, God considers then exposing the leg from the loins to the thighs as nakedness. God says that part of the body should never be bared in public. And in this case, he's talking about a man, right? A man should be wearing these breeches so that that part is not being exposed. Now, what is the thigh area then? Well, in just the regular Webster dictionary, Webster defines the thigh as, quote, the hip to the knee. So God says that that is nakedness, and it's a shame if that is uncovered. If somebody suggested that a woman go to the store naked, you would, you would lose it, right? I mean, what in the world? Why would you say that? How can you say that? Why would you even suggest that somebody do that, right? But God says it's nakedness when men or women reveal that portion of the leg from the hip to the knee. And I think it's important for men to realize that too, right? Uh, what are you wearing? What are you uncovering, Right? Uh, we need to get back to God's definition and standards. Modest apparel thoroughly covers the thighs. And it's, you can, we can look at a whole lot more verses that, that talk about that, very, that exact thing uh, to explain and to define what nakedness is in the Bible. But it's interesting, I think, to, to note that every time people backslid in the Bible, they displayed nakedness. Look what happened when Moses went up onto the mountain and they thought he wasn't coming back. And the next thing you know, he comes down the mountain, and Aaron has all these people dancing around the golden calf. And the Bible says that they were what is, uh, naked unto their shame among their enemies. They backslid in that quick 40 days that Moses was up on the mountain. And in that time, that backsliding, they moved into that, that nakedness, right? Uh, the demon-possessed maniac in Luke ran around the tombs naked, 
Now, I don't know if it means he had no clothes on whatsoever. I don't know if that means that the people down there in, you know, at the bottom of the mountain uh, where the golden calf was meant that they had no clothes on whatsoever. But when the Bible says nakedness, we know that at the very least, then, the thigh was uncovered because that's what God defines as nakedness. And there's a lot of other examples of that as well. But nakedness goes right along with backsliding. Now, Mary Quant, maybe you've probably, you've probably never heard that name, but she was the designer of the miniskirt. And she said this, am I the only woman who ever wanted to go to bed with a man in the afternoon? There's just a lot of us girls who don't want to wait until night. I made it, talking about this miniskirt, so that a man can look at you and say, there's a girl from whom I can get anything I want. The dress tells me so. Now, that's pretty revealing. And so even the world agrees that to expose the thigh invites immorality. Now, turn over to Proverbs chapter 7. The first level, if you will, of dressing immodestly that we see in the scripture is the level of, uh, is, is nakedness, but the second level that we see of immodesty is the attire of a harlot. And you see that in, in, in Proverbs talks about that quite a bit, <clears throat> but in Proverbs chapter 7, verse number 10, it says, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. A harlot is a wicked or a strange woman, as the Bible also calls her, who sells her body. Do you think that attire of a harlot would be modest? That's a rhetorical question because the answer is very easily no. It would, it would advertise parts of her body that should be thoroughly covered so that it does not draw attention. The purpose of wearing the attire of a harlot is to attract men and allure them. That's what harlots do. Harlotry is an affront to our Savior. It's an affront to the Word of God. It's an affront to the scriptures, but there is an attire of a harlot that advertises a person as such. And it may not be nakedness because the thigh is covered, right? But it certainly is not modest. It's suggestive. It's alluring. It's, it's teasing. It's sensual. It's carnal. And that type of immodesty emphasizes the form. You, you just take uh, maybe, a, a, you know, the spray-painted nakedness of a New Orleans Mardi Gras party or festival or things like that going on. Now, they may technically be covered, but there's nobody that could say that that's modest. What's the difference between the emphasized form of, you know, spray paint clothing and clothing that's clingy and tight? Tell me that leggings that used to be worn as underwear and now are being worn as outerwear is modest. But we're seeing that everywhere. But why is it immodest? It's because of the way that it hugs the form, right? It outlines the body. It outlines the form. Uh, immodesty is nakedness. It's insufficient coverage in an emphasized form. It's celebrating or flaunting that which ought to be covered, even if technically that's exactly what it's doing. Immodesty is a revelation of what's in the heart. Now, again, I completely accept that, that, that some men and women are immodest out of ignorance. And by ignorance, I don't mean stupid. I just mean that they've never been taught. We see that happen a lot of times in pagan cultures. Uh, pagan cultures, many times... Um, don't know anything different because there's never been any kind of propriety that's been introduced into that culture for whatever reason. But what we're seeing, especially in today's uh, day and age, is that people are being raised in a culture that is imitating pagan cultures, and, and that's what it leads to. Generally speaking, immodesty is not an accident of culture. It's a revelation of a sinful heart condition, right? Why is our culture getting more and more naked today 
Why is it that when you go to, you know, you go to the mall or, or, or any of these department stores or things like that, and uh, they either have, you know, posters up on the wall or mannequins that are wearing basically nothing? Why is that? It's, it's, it, it's a reflection of a pagan culture, but that's not being done by accident. It's not being done because they don't know any different. It's being done because they're trying to allure, especially young girls, but, but girls and ladies into buying these clothes so they can be more sexually attractive to, the, to, to men, right? And, and it's not done by accident. It's, it's, it's that insecurity that drives a woman to seek for attention and flaunting her body, and that's a sinful thing. It's a lack of trust in God, at the very least, for a Christian lady. But the vanity, uh, even that drives a, a man to flaunt his physique, you know? That's a sinful thing. It's pride. The sensuality that drives a couple to, you know, quote-unquote, spice up their marriage by flaunting the wife in a, in a dive bar somewhere is a sinful thing. It purposely intends to inflame lust. And that's, that's the attire of an harlot. So, Immodesty. We see nakedness and we see that, that, that attire that, even though it might technically be covered, is outlining every part of the body. Which brings us then to what is modesty. Turn back over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, because I think we find a, a great definition of what modesty is. By looking at what immodesty is, now we can kind of focus more on what then is modesty, right? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but, and I love the way that he puts this in parentheses, which become with women professing godliness with good works. Christian ladies are commanded through the Bible, through scriptures, to dress modestly. And since our first and foremost goal is to please the Lord, then what exactly pleases him? He showed us what pleases him by the first clothing that he designed in Genesis, right? God designed coats for Adam and Eve to wear to cover their nakedness after they sinned. So what does coats mean then? Did he say, well, sorry, you know, no, uh, nothing but a coat. You get to wear a coat to keep you warm. Well, what does he mean by coats? Well, the Hebrew word for coats means to cover or to clothe, right? Adam and Eve made themselves aprons, but they only covered themselves from the waist down. Those little fig leaves were not enough to fulfill God's holiness, they didn't satisfy the modesty principle, and so God wanted them to be totally covered, and his coats did that from the shoulders on down. And I think often ladies uh, think that because they wear a nice dress or a suit to church, maybe they're fulfilling that modesty principle. And they may be, but, but wearing pants or low necklines or tight-fitting clothing or short skirts or see-through clothing or shorts or bathing suits, it's not modesty according to the Word of God. And that includes skirts, by the way. More and more I see um, in so-called independent fundamental Baptist church where the ladies only wear skirts, you know, that, that they're wearing skirts that are two and three sizes too small, and they're, they are not modest in the slightest, in, in, in the least sense of the word. So how do we define modesty then? Well, modesty is often taken to mean, quote, and this comes from the dictionary, decent or pure, behaving according to a standard of what is proper, not displaying one's body. And it really springs from the word appropriate. What is appropriate for a lady to wear? And most Christians get this one, but it's so much more than just being appropriate. By the way, appropriate doesn't mean wearing, you know, tight, you know, skin, skin tight pants on the softball field because that's what's appropriate for softball, right? I don't, that's not what I mean by appropriate. Appropriate here doesn't mean 
something that makes activities easier to do uh, or something that everybody else is wearing. It means to cover up. That's what appropriate means. We see the word modest used only here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, but the Greek words are kosmios and katastol. And these words, and, and again, it, I say it takes a deep dive to get into there. Uh, Vincent Word Studies is a great um, uh, uh, book that defines Greek words, Hebrew words, and things. And, and uh, you know, some of the Greek words and Hebrew words have different meanings than what we take them to understand today. And uh, it's, it's, many times it's, it's necessary to go back into some of these study Bibles and look at some of these things. Because, for example, our word love, we have four words in Greek for love, we have one word in the English language. And I'm, you know, most of the time, context will tell you exactly what it's trying to say, but sometimes it's helpful to go back and look in there. But these words mean, according to Vincent Word Studies, to let down or lower, a covering, a wrapping, a veiling. It also means arrangement according to order as opposed to chaos. So in whose order does God want our apparel arranged? Well, of course, he wants it arranged in his order. And when you couple that word, cosmos, with catastol, it means to lower or let down, we come to God's intent for modesty, and that's that ladies are to dress in an orderly fashion to show their creator's wishes by letting down or lowering their dress and covering themselves. Now, that English word, modest, if you go again to the dictionary, means properly restrained by a sense of propriety. Hence, not forward or bold, not presumptuous or arrogant, not boastful. And honestly, most of the world's fashion today could be summed up by, you know, in, in that statement. That should eliminate most of the world's clothing from, from a Christian lady's wardrobe. Now, let me, let me read this to you. Shirley Starr wrote an excellent book on this topic. And uh, I believe the book is called Dress, A Reflection of the Heart. And she said this, Believe it or not, slacks, pants, or women's trousers fall into the category of immodest clothing. Why? Because they do not fulfill the criteria of, a first, of 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. A long, let-down garment, and because they draw the looker's eyes to the lady's primary genital zone area, emphasizing the buttocks, hips, and thighs, and because through scriptures we see them designed only for men. Now, I know that, that is a, that's a bold statement, uh, but it's true, and that's exactly what it does. Now, let me point out a couple other words to you there in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9. In like manner also, it says that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. Now, what does that word mean? What does the word shamefacedness mean? We don't, we don't use that word today. Um, but according to Strong's concordance, it means bashfulness or an excess of modesty. That points to maximum, not minimum, modesty. Sobriety, that's another word we see, with shamefacedness and sobriety. Again, another word that we use today, but only, only really to mean not drunk. It means self-controlled. It means discreet, sober, or temperate. Again, according to Strong's Dictionary. But Paul is, Paul is, is not just saying wear clothes appropriate to a, a public church service, nicer clothes than you would wear if you were going to work. He's saying wear clothes enough to cover yourself up. Why is this principle of modesty so important? In fact, go over to Matthew chapter 5. Since the fall of man, God knew, in fact, even before the fall of man, God knew that man's sinful heart would have an eye problem, E-Y-E, an eye problem. So he gave us the criteria for ladies' dress. Men have an eye problem. Uh, years ago, McCall's Magazine published an article, uh, in the title of the article was, What Your Intimate Behavior Says About You. 
And this, this, this article, McCall's was a department store, and it was kind of written for, for them um, and, and for their guidance. But this article said that certain clothing employed, quote, sexual signaling devices to attract a man's interest. And the article said this, the first way to accentuate is to employ articles of clothing which underline the nature of the organ hidden beneath them. For the female, this means wearing trousers. This article was not condemning pants. It was not written to condemn anything. It was just written to inform their employees. And it was just showing the power of dress and the weakness of the eye. How a woman dresses can provoke lust in a man. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's a man's problem. And we're going to talk about that more next week. They're commanded, men are commanded not to look on a woman with lust. And if they do, it's a sin before God. But even godly ladies often contribute to the eye problem that, that, that the man has by the sensuous way that they dress. In fact, turn over to Proverbs 27. See, a, a long slit in a, in, a, in a dress. Even if the dress is long, it draws attention to the legs and upward to the thighs. You take tight tops, you take low, you know, low necklines, that accentuates the chest area. Short dresses point to the thigh area. All of those things are enticing to a man with an eye problem. And by the way, that is all men. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20. Hell and destruction are never satisfied. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Now, this is, this is a, a little bit of an older book, but it's a book that was called How to Marry the Man of Your Choice. And the lady that wrote the book, uh, was, was, a, was a lady by the name of Margaret Kent. And she, basically the entire book was a book on how to manipulate men. But she wrote this, jeans are likely to get the positive response because they are snug and outline the body. They also represent casualness. Take this how you want, but one author said this, a woman in pants is either gross or sexually appealing depending on her figure. And honestly, your goal, the goal for a Christian lady ought to be to, to, to not be in either one of those categories, right? Now, let me apply this passage and, uh, and, and, and you know, talk about what Paul's intent was here, um, and then we'll be done. In fact, you can, you can um, turn back over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to close with that here in just a minute. But how would this specific understanding of modest apparel from a contextual understanding of the original language, a long flowing garment applied to bathing suits. Eliminates that, right? Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with, with water or swimming, but in mixed company, it's mixed nudity if you're going to put on a bathing suit. And it's amazing to me, uh, again, that you know, if, if you ask a woman to go to the store in her underwear, she would say, how can you dare ask me to do that? But then you get down to the beach, and all of a sudden, it's okay to take all your clothes off. And it's okay for, for you to flaunt those, your, your body in that way, right? A long, flowing garment hardly defines a bathing suit, but the thigh is exposed or uncovered. I, the, the Bible calls that nakedness. Or how about skirts or dresses being applied here? Well, that depends. Are, are they form-fitting because they're tight? That would be immodest. And there's many women who wear immodest skirts, right? Um, are they short? The proper length for a dress, according to the Bible, is to cover the thigh, which is uh, enough material to cover your knee when you're sitting. And again, that's, that's something that a lot of ladies don't consider as well. Well, <coughs> if I kneel down on the ground and it's, it touches the ground or it comes close to the ground, then it's okay. 
but then you sit down and, uh, and so much is exposed, that's not modest. And so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, tell you that you need to get out a, a tape measure or something like that and measure, but typically that's going to be a couple inches below the knee when you're standing because it ought to cover that when you're sitting. Otherwise, it's exposing that nakedness according to what we see in the Bible. That usually makes the dress a couple inches below the knee when you're standing. What about blouses or shorts or tops? How do we, how do we uh, apply that to what Paul is talking about? I would argue that if, if that uh, top <coughs> excuse me, is cropped or off the shoulder or has a low neckline or it's tight, it violates the sense of the word modesty as well. Well, what about pants then? When it, when it comes to pants, they're, they're long, yes. Are they flowing? No. Are they similar to a robe or a coat? No. At the very least, our understanding of the biblical phrase, modest apparel, would rule out pants that emphasize or reveal the curves that are underneath, which is what most of them do, especially with the the pants that are being worn today um, and being sold today. What about shorts? What about the very nature of the word? They're the opposite of long, right? What about material choice? What, what the, the, cloth, the clothing is made out of. Well, we talked about the aesthetic use of clothing. It doesn't rule out a variety of beautiful clothing. But <coughs> modesty does rule out fabrics that are revealing and versus concealing something. So, uh, again, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I've said this many times throughout this whole series. I don't have a desire to be the fashion police. And I don't, I'm not trying to set myself up as the judge of all that is and is not acceptable. I am, however, trying to get you to think specifically about your wardrobe in light of understanding modest apparel as something that is a long flowing garment. And and again, that is, is, uh, I believe God gives some some, uh, Christian liberty to decide what a long flowing garment is. I, I don't see any problem with a woman wearing a jean skirt. It's, it's definitely long and flowing compared to my pants that I'm wearing, right? Uh, compared to what, uh, what, what most people are wearing. And I know that there are ladies in here who, who at this point in their lives wear pants. Please don't accuse me of calling you a harlot or anything like that. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to define it in that way. I'm simply explaining why it's necessary then for us to get as far away from that definition as possible and not just, see, and this is, this is where we make a mistake in, in not just modesty issues but in so many other issues. We do everything we can to avoid falling over the cliff when in actuality we would never even get close if our eyes were on the right thing on the other side, Right? How about let's try to get closer to God in holiness, and then we don't have to worry about staying away from the edge of the cliff, right? And so uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is help us to stay as far away from those labels as possible, but also explain why it's so, so important to get as close to purity as possible. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not this prisoner on a, on, a, on a mast that is just, you know, uh, pulling at the ropes, trying to get away from all of these, these things that I have to do, right? I, I get to do those things. And if, and if I can be more pure in my relationship with Christ and I can be more holy in my relationship with him, and if that's what I'm pursuing, then I don't have to worry about all the thou shalt nots and you can't do this and you have to do that and you can't do these things and you have to do those things. If I'm pursuing purity and if I'm pursuing a desire to be as close to him as I possibly can, then a lot of those other things become very easy. The main point here is that modesty is a biblical principle, 
and it directly applies to the clothes that you choose to wear. Why? Because there is a moral purpose for clothing. God told us to cover ourselves up with clothes and with clothes that conceal rather than reveal. That's what modesty is. And again, we're going to talk about this next week. What is the, what is the relationship between modesty and lust, right? What, who's, whose fault is it? And I'm not trying to put it on either one of them, but uh, again, you know, many times I think, I think that women obviously see the world completely different because you're not men. And you don't see what men see when you look at yourself in the mirror. But it's a, it's a problem for men. Even men who are pure, even men who are right, it's a problem, right? And it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder in the day and age that we live in because you go outside of these walls and it's just, it's everywhere. It's in your face and they're just, they're pushing it on you everywhere you go. It, it should be, especially at church, that, that a man can go and not have to worry about those kind of things at church, right? But again, it's not just only at church, it's everywhere you go. You don't know what kind of Christian guy is out there that you are enticing. Uh, you don't know what kind of thing is out there that, that, uh, that is causing somebody else to fall or sin or whatever else. And again, that's also, that responsibility also falls to the man, right? The man is the one who is commanded not to look at a woman with lust. But again, a woman's job is also to not be an offense or a stumbling block. So it kind of falls to both. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But to close, let's look again at 1 Timothy chapter 2 because I, I think, again, it, it, it defines all of this for us. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which become with women professing godliness with good works. And again, I know, I know that the ladies are the ones that, that have the burden here. Um, it's very easy for me, for the most part, to dress modestly. I go buy a pair of pants, and that's it, right? I don't have to worry about it. Um, and, and ladies are the ones that, that really have to, to carry the burden of that modesty. And again, this is directly, specifically, First Timothy chapter 2, to women, right? If it said, hey, all of you guys do this, then we can make it a little bit more broad. But, but again, it's, it says women adorn themselves in modest apparel with that shamefacedness and sobriety. But which become with women professing godliness with good works. That's modesty. And I hope it's a help to you. And uh, hope, hopefully it's something that will be uh, uh, a guideline for us as we move forward. All right. Let's pray. And then we'll sing our song and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for the things that we find in the word of God. And God, I pray as much as possible that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth. The very last thing that I ever want to do is to say something or to preach something that's not in your word. But also the very last thing I want to do is not say something or preach something that is in your word. And so I pray that you'd help us as we try to do that. As we try to go about these things in a way that's pleasing to you. God, I pray that every single one of us would evaluate what we wear, how we wear it, who we're trying to impress, who we're trying to do it for. And I pray that at the end of the day, we can all say we did it for you. And God, if, if we can say that, then I know you'll be pleased. Well, thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close in our song. This could be the day that the Lord returns in glory. This could be the day that he calls his children home. 
So be faithful in service as you watch and pray for this, oh this, this could be the day. Amen. You're dismissed.